welcome to a bad end podcast this is episode number 106 i am joshua clixto uh, accompanied as always by my friend co-host video game de- developer extraordinaire of smash hit of the future cantata kyle cuckstell <laughs> hello kyle, how's it going it's going well i'm just writing down games that i've played recently because this is a video game podcast and you listener are in for listening to us talk about video games it's a video game podcast yeah i've i have been playing some board games I'll say, oh hell yeah yeah that's I, I, new podcasts we talk about board games because that's mostly what i play <laughs> really what do you i play a games? lot of board games Dude, I have play. I play a lot of. Well, how is Gloomhaven? Because I hear a lot of good stuff, and I know you were playing that. Uh-huh. How uh huh. Gloom. <clears throat> well, so I haven't played Gloomhaven proper. I have, however, played Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which is Gloomhaven is a big, big box. If you don't know, um, it, Gloomhaven is a giant sort of board game that effectively replicates playing Dungeons and Dragons at a baseline people who play gloomhaven and love it will get mad at me for saying that but that's sort of what it's trying to do it's trying to like <laughs> simulate a like grid-based dungeon and dragons experience on a on a tabletop it's like a long campaign there's like you know whatever it's very cool it's very popular and it's like actually um s- supposed to be pretty good uh which is in a world of uh 2020 and 2021 there are a lot of very big games that are very bad so the idea that one mm-hmm. of these giant Kickstarter monstrosities is good is actually surprising. Anyways, I played Jaws of the Lion, which is a smaller version of Gloomhaven that um, sort of like sticks a lot of what Gloomhaven does in like a like a pot and sort of like simmers it and kind of reduces it to sort of essential elements. Um, and so it and it also is like much smaller and easier to play on like not a gigantic table. And I've enjoyed that. I played that with Rebecca every so often. Um, it's good. It's like a fun way to hang out and play. Um, if you got some buddies and you got the space and the time, definitely get the big box. But if you've got sort of a smaller group of people, Jaws of the Lion, you can buy it like fucking Target for like $60. Whereas the main Gloomhaven game is like 120 200 or something maybe. Um, okay, I didn't realize this about Glo- Gloomhaven that draws the lion one because I saw it. Jaws the lion, it's, it's good. Yeah. So yeah, this is gloom. So Josh is bringing up a picture of Gloomhaven proper now. So one of the big innovations of Jaws of the lion is that um, instead of what they're doing in this picture, which if you're listening, I'll tell you, which is that there's Gloomhaven has um, like modular terrain that you put down next to stuff um, to like build out the maps that you're playing on. What Jaws of the lion does is actually, basically makes um, the scenarios and the maps are part of this like spiral bound uh, book that you just open up on the table and it's got these grids on them. They also have like a supplement book so you can, that you can open up to certain pages and kind of like position it next to the um, table. And they've actually, this was so popular that they have ported it to um, Frosthaven, which is a sequel to Gloomhaven. They're using a spiral bound book for those maps. So, a lot of the innovations of Jaws of the Lion, which came after Gloomhaven, they're now just doing in like the next mainline game because it's like better. But all this stuff I'm seeing here, this is all in Jaws of the Lion. So like the same sort of way you track health, the little giant fucking dials to track like health and mana. 
um, the way that items work, the way that attacks work, where you, you basically, you have, you have an attack deck that represents your character. You place, you pick two cards to play. One of them represents your initiative value. And then you play a skill from the top or bottom of either card. If you play the top of one, you play the bottom of the other. All that stuff is the same. Um, is the scenario really structured or is it more like D&D where you have like a DM and or storytelling elements that you so There's no yourself? DM, which is like the big deal with this is that the whole game is sort of um, driven by players and it's it's actually really funny. It's, it's sort of related to video games. Actually, this is there's a video game tie-in because uh, Gloomhaven Digital 1.0, I think just got announced that it's being released like maybe this week. So they've been doing it. They had a really big, they had a pretty good digital version that was like really well done. It wasn't just like playing a digital board game. It's very much like its own sort of thing, um, but it's an adaptation of Gloomhaven. Anyways, that is releasing now. But what you do in Gloomhaven that's sort of weird is that the enemies sort of have like AI. So you have to sort of act like a computer and they have very simple rules. So it's like, you know, units will always target what is next to them. Um, they have like movement rules where they basically choose a target and they will try to move to the target that they can most closely move to. They can like move around and stuff. So you sort of, you kind of act like the AI that's moving the elements around on the map, but you control your player directly. The story stuff that like the more, what you would associate with like sort of downtime and D and D is like not on a map at all. Really? Um, there is like a sort of campaign map thing, but it's like basically you pick up a book and you read like some text and you choose an option and then you do the thing. It's not like free form in that way where you're like exploring. Mm. It's very much like I'm doing a battle scenario or you're in between battle scenarios where you're like leveling up or whatever. Um, but yeah, the game's, uh, it's supposed to be. Again, I haven't played the the real one, but I can speak to Jaws of the Lion and say it's really fun. If you want like a good sort of like sit down and have like a, you want to control a character with its own sort of skills and abilities and like basically play sort of a tactics games with your friends. It's very much that sort of thing. It's interesting um, how we're really mining this space between video game and D&D where it's just like mm -hmm. the gap of World of Warcraft on one end of the spectrum and then D and D on the other end where it's like, you know, free form thing that has just nothing to it where you're just saying everything that happens and then all yeah. the kind of structured little markers in between those things that really kind of determine what the shape of the game is and how there's a lot of entertainment to be had from all kinds of things in between those spaces is really interesting. Um, but I think what you're, yeah, Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Or I think what, what's actually really interesting right now is that I think you're starting to see a lot more board games move in the, vi in the video game direction than you're seeing video games looking at board games necessarily. Like um, one of the big releases of the past month or two is this game called Descent uh, Legends of the Dark, I think is what it is, which is technically the third edition of this game called Descent that has been a big sort of Gloomhaven-esque thing that's been released for the past like 15 years, but legends of the dark, the new descent game, um, similarly, similar to Gloomhaven, It's like a tactics thing moving around on a map, but, uh, and this is sort of a trend that's also been happening. A lot of the computation is actually done on a phone. 
So it's like an app assisted experience. And so you're doing things on, um, on your phone, you're like tracking inventory, you're like crafting, you're like doing all this stuff. And it's funny watching reviews of these things because a lot of people who are like playing this haven't really, they don't like know necessarily the reference points that this game is like looking at. So there's another way to sort of review descent. It's like, it's like so close to this line of board game and video game that you could almost review it like Skylanders where it's like, there's a board game component to what is largely a video game. Um, but no one's really doing that. It, it's still like branding itself as a board game. You sell it in board right. game shops. You don't sell it at like GameStop. So it's looked at as a board game, but it's like so much of the sort of upkeep and management and stuff is done with an app, um, which people find divisive game's supposed to be pretty good. Um, whatever. But I do think the like I, the spaces are colliding right now, or at least, I don't know, board games are trying to chase, uh, video games a bit. And I think video games are off doing their own weird thing. Um, but Gloomhaven, no app, all tabletop, all digital. Yeah. I just got this one called mansions of madness. Oh yeah. I just got an app, right. Which does have an app and it's really like really in depth and there's stuff that they can do with the game using the app that they weren't able to do kind of before. Oh, sorry. I didn't maximize this. Um, but essentially when they have monsters on the board and they're conducting their own movements and stuff like that, they can process that stuff on the app side so that you don't have to be, you know, read the book and be like, move the monster two spaces this way, blah, blah, blah. They have, uh, and they also have little VO sections that really help with the flavor and stuff like that. It seems like it's going to be, that's going to be a challenge for board games is figuring out what the right amount of appification is or the digitized Mm -hmm. digitalization of these games is going to be just because when it gets too digital, I feel like you lose a bit of that, that, you know, boots on the ground, kind of getting your feet (laughs) dirty stuff that is kind of the fun of board games. But I will say one of the most annoying things about playing board games to me has always been the like, roll three die. Okay. Did you, did you get a good results or not? Blah, blah, blah. Like you do an X check to see if you see in this other room or it's just like, I just want to fucking do it. Like, I just want like, you know, just (laughs) the simpler, the better for me, the more this stuff is determined in another place where I don't have to worry about like doing the math and stuff. That's better for me. Cause that, that to me is friction. And I feel like apps, can really help with this while at the same time giving you the freedom to kind of do your own imagining and fill in those blanks on your own, which is kind of the magic of board games to me. And uh, it being Halloween season and whatnot, I feel like this is a good little, little purchase. Yeah. What inspired you to buy mansions of madness? Uh, I was like bored this weekend. I was like, Oh, let's go to the game store. And then went to the game store and uh, I had, it, this was like one of the top rated. They were like, are you Josh Calixto from bad end podcast? <laughs> I wish you'd no, we, <laughs> we'd have to be like critical role or something for that. Um, speaking of which we, we may talk about that later, but um, Ooh, yeah, yeah, it's just, no, yeah. It, Halloween season. I, I always liked like betrayal at house on the hill. And I feel like this is like, sure. The modern 2021 version of that. And I was just like, the just, 
I think the app thing is really cool and I want to see how that works. So I'll report back mm -hmm. uh, after having played it whenever that may be, uh, if I can amass enough friends to actually get a session of this in. But yeah, nice. it's, 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 it's exciting. But I, I have played actual um, <laughs> video games of the video variety. Oh um, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, I played Sable. Oh, I have played. Oh no, sorry. I have not played Sable. I was like, I know what Sable is. I have not actually played Sable. Um, Sable's good. Sable's cool. I'm glad Sable exists. It's, uh, it's very, very chill. Very, very laid back. It's like Oc Ocarina of Time on downers. Basically. You mean Breath of the Wild? Yes. Breath of the Wild. Um, on down. Yeah. Great tagline. <laughs> um, you got this cool art style, a lot of jaggies. It's got this kind of like stop motion vibe to it at times that I can't like, and I can't tell. I'm like, is my computer just chugging right now? Or is this game ju just, this is just how the motion in the game works, you know? Um, Breath of the Wild esque in that there, you know, there's a gliding function. There's like stamina bar to climb. Most surfaces, including walls, are just straight climbable. There's a lot of traversal, talking to people. Um, there's Korok Seed-esque collectibles. Mm -hmm. um, but there is no combat system that I have discovered up until this point, having played like four or five hours. Um, it's mostly just wandering around and doing little adventures and talking to people and there's very little guidance it's mostly just being a fucking vag vagabond and finding your purpose in this world which is which is cool um a really great idea for a game and it works in theory a lot of the time um that being said i feel like i do need to be in a certain mood to play this game and i always feel like i i don't know having played it up until this point like it feels like there are better things I could be doing with my time when I play this game, which is not like a very good way to, to look at a game. And that's probably like something slightly broken in my own head. But at the same <laughs> time, it's like, I want to put on a podcast or like listen to a new album when I have this thing uh, playing. Yeah. Um, just because it is so like, there's so many moments of just like wandering around these just empty fields um it demands a lot of the player and um i my brain when i play games i'm not i feel like i'm just not that type of gamer you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying where mm -hmm. i don't often feel at peace when i'm playing a game <laughs> and when a game asks me to just bathe in this sedate nature it sometimes there's friction with like what i actually want well, like, I feel like if you want to like really hang out and chill, like I can sort of do that unmediated or I can like, I, I actually brought this up on the bad end discord, which if you, uh, subscribe to us on Patreon, you get access to the discord. It's wonderful. Funland, bullet points, heterotopias, gangs all in there. Um, <laughs> I just forgot what I was going to say. I, oh, I was talking about like, um, you sort can of like do that Twitch. Yourself. Well, like Twitch is sort of like Twitch's role in like gaming, where I've 
as someone who like grew up playing a ton of video games and has played a lot of video games, I can get a lot of the same sort of like brain hit from watching people play stuff instead of playing stuff. And if I don't have to play something, I also can like, don't have to put the cognitive burden on execution of what they're doing. So like a lot of me relaxing through video games is not like sitting down and like playing a game. It's sitting down and like watching someone play a game where I can like sort of experience that same feeling of moving through the world, but I can like lay on my back on a couch with my laptop on my belly. You know, I don't need to necessarily like do the action. And like, I played so many video games that like, you know, I don't need to be the person to do the thing. Like I'm not like telling the person to pass the controller. Cause like, I want to, you know, grapple up the 800th cliff of my video game playing career. Like I don't need to move around the world. I sort of know. Um, or when I do, there's a reason that matters. I think a lot of stuff is like, just to pull back to what you're saying, right? If you're trying to relax through a game, some people might find the play state itself relaxing, but uh, if a game is like trying to be a relaxing game, that's a little bit of a misalignment for at least my own expectation for what I want from a game. Like a chill, like a chill game. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how a chill game fits into my life. I'm like a chill game is me not playing a game really. So. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's been to an extent my experience with it. It's almost like, the difference in playing a baseball game and just like sitting in the dugout for fucking four hours or whatever and like just being in the stands and eating hot dogs and just like coming yeah. out whenever <laughs> they make a home run or whenever you hear people clapping or whatever, you know, like yeah. you can you can kind of put whatever stake in it you want as a third party observer, but you you have to be there holding the right trigger riding your sluggish motorbike across five minutes worth of land that has nothing of interest um, besides just like these really nice views. And there's something about being able to engage it with it in a way that you want versus the way that like the developer intends that is kind of freeing in a way, even though you are a third party. Um, but but uh, that's not to say that I... I don't like this game or that I think there's anything wrong with it. I think that it's almost ambitious ambitious in how laid back and low key it is and how much it wants you to kind of just soak in its world. I think that Mm -hmm. there's, it's a very authoritative way to approach game design that a lot of other games are not brave enough to do, you know? And I, I really like that about this game. I there's a soundtrack uh by Japanese Breakfast. I, I don't know if it's all by them, but I think parts of it are. I know parts of it are because they have this really cool moment toward the beginning that's just like you having the tried and true awesome experience of seeing an open world and having a song with vocals play as you go through it for a few minutes, you know? Um, it's the, the whole Red Dead Redemption Mexico deal, um, which they did again in Red Dead Redemption 2. Spoiler alert, D'Angelo song. Um, but yeah, it's it's good stuff. I, I just uh, want to make a, a small note about Sable. Is, um, I yeah. started playing, I don't know. I, I'm like, I play Breath of the Wild like you sip a fine wine or something. I'm just sort of always taking it in a little bit. Um and it's funny watching people play Sable and talking about Sable and kind of having Breath of the Wild still pretty top of mind. Um, 
I think because like, I think one thing that Sable really does is it gets right a lot of the parts about Breath of the Wild that a lot of other Breath of the Wild likes get wrong. Like we talked a little bit about um, like Genshin Impact, um, which is sort of very Breath of the Wild adjacent in some ways, but in other ways has like a totally different uh, like sense of priorities about what's important. And like for Breath of the Wild, for me, like I am not there for most of... I mean, the I don't know. Like, I'm I'm like less interested in the combat. I'm less interested in the dungeons of what exists. I'm like less interested in the divine beasts or whatever. And I'm mostly just about like running around and just sort of existing in the world. Um, and I think that looking at Sable, it's just like leaning into that part of what makes Breath of the Wild really cool. Whereas every other game tries to basically take Breath of the Wild's formula and like fill in all the gaps where they're like, we have the aesthetic, we got like the cool sort of exploration, but like, we don't want you to have downtime. And Breath of the Wild is like very okay with downtime. Um, and even then, like the moments that aren't downtime aren't even these like big, um, like really big battles or something. They're sort of these small little punctuated points. Um, so it's not even about how, uh, like the, like the, like accents, the big moments, it's just that what's sort of cool about Sable is that it seems like going in the opposite direction of learning from breath of the wild to say like, can we make a game that is just like very chill? Um, and yeah, it seems to do that. This also looks very breath of the wild here. It's like giving you a spirit stone or whatever. Yeah. Like the runic designs have a little bit of that Sheikah stone, Sheikah slate vibe to them. Um, but I think, you know, the creativity here is is all over the place. And I th I do like that it has like a very rich world to explore. That's also just kind of weird in a refreshing way. Yeah. You know, like instead of Korok seeds, you collect these little chum eggs, they're called. And it's just <laughs> fucking weird, man. It's You just see this like little worm floating around. And like when you come up to them, it like just plants itself on the ground and pops out a, something that looks like a, basically a Fabergé egg. <laughs> just like a well it's more right. nondescript it's like a robin's egg type looking thing but it's it's on like a, a pedestal um and you collect those for more stamina to trade in um but yeah i mean i feel like i'll come back to this game when i'm in that mood when i'm when i want to just kind of vibe out and chill uh and it's nice to have that option um i feel like one thing that games don't really have much of is like games to feed different moods, you know, mm, um, like scented candles. Yeah, exactly. Or, or music, you know, where it's like, ah, oh, it's, there's staring out your window music and, and being sad when it's raining outside music and cozy music and fucking Christmas music, all types of things to just suit different moods and, and vibes and, um, games, not so much, you know, it's like there's, I guess there's like turn off your brain games and then like more heady, like strategy, but those are, there's more depth that we can mine than that. Yeah. I think. And Sable is, is a step in that direction. I think that's, that's probably one of the best things I have to say about this game. In addition to like, it just looking really freaking cool yeah. and having Jay Brecky. So Oof. check that shit out. Um, um, yeah. 
I was thinking about brain turnoff games and like sort of chill games. I think my, my genre for that, if I do want to play a game to chill is, uh, racing games. I find like racing mm. games sort of very calm and it's like just enough of that, like hit to have like a very loosely defined goal, but also that it's not like, you're not making a lot of decisions in a racing game. So it's with great honor. I can tell you that cruise and blast is a blast. <laughs> <laughs> You played Cruise and Blast. Hell yeah, I, I bought Cruise and Blast, man, and I've been playing some Cruise and Blast. Uh, for those who don't know, Cruise and Blast is the latest game and the Cruise franchise, which you might know from uh, arcades around the world. And they had, for a while, they were doing console releases. They did Cruise and USA. Uh, my favorite, Cruise and Exotica, which was much maligned. Um, but I loved it. Um, cruising world. Uh, and now we got cruising blast, which is just fucking wacky. Cruising is like a very, like, just think of the game that you play in like Walmart growing up where you like double tap the floor pedal to make your car do a backflip and your like foot catches a McDonald's fry under the pedal. Like this is that game. Um, and it's just stupid and it's fun and it's totally brain off. It's not even like hard, like Mario Kart where you kind of have to like drift. You, you can drift and stuff, but there's no like serious sort of moving around the map. Like you can probably be pretty good uh, just driving around. And the game is like very generous with keeping you on the track. Um, so you can just kind of fucking front flip and back flip your car all the time. All the cars are crazy. I think you can unlock a Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, eventually to drive, which why not? Um, Damn, this looks trashy as hell. It looks fucking junky, which is also amazing. Cause I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I don't need the, more like, than what this has given me. The recycled textures where it's just like, oh, tile, yeah. clearly like tiles everywhere. I mean, it looks like a PlayStation two game. Um, <laughs> it's not good. A highly modded PS two game. Basically. Yeah. It looks like what you probably think that, need for speed looks like um yeah you're just doing flips wow. uh you can drift kind of and it's, it's like stupid. a serious sam of racing games and it also it gets sort of increasingly ridiculous with each map um and the maps have a little bit of the uh i don't think there's even laps yeah i don't think there's laps you just <laughs> single single uh you're moving through a map it's similar to um sort of similar to Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed where the maps sort of get increasingly weird over time and messed up, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, and yeah, there's really nothing to say about this game besides like they did it and it's fun. Um, I haven't played the Hot Wheels game yet, which I, I was a big fan of. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, whatever the Hot Wheels game was for like PC in like 2004 three or something. Um, I played the shit oh, out of that I used game. To play those when I was a kid. Yeah. I they were good, that. man. And the new one is supposed to be really good. The, I think it's hot wheels unleashed is getting like really good reviews. So it, whatever, for whatever reason right now, uh, throwback racers are having a moment and I'm all about it. Uh, so that was my brain off discovery. I mean, we had burnout. That was the beloved series. We have burnout, the burnout arcade series. Um, and then just real quick, I'll talk about Aunt Dandy Ace, which is 
on Xbox. I've PC never heard Game of Pass. this. I saw you show the yeah, video. I, I had like, either. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I hadn't heard of it either. It was just one of those where I was just like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll just I'll try it out. And it's really, honestly, it's just it is just a basically a Hades ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like a gambit looking motherfucker who throws cards. I, this has some of the worst writing I've ever seen in the game before. <laughs> like it is just incoherent, just awful, cheesy, eye rolly. It's like the same as Hades. Yeah. Yeah. The movement. I mean, if that's what you're looking for, just like shittier Hades, slighty, <laughs> yes. slightly shittier Hades. Like it's only been a year, you know, it's like just play Hades. Yeah. But I mean, I've I've already got you know played so much Hades. This is it's different, you know, than Hades. But it's actually still like the playing the game itself is pretty fun. Like they got different powers. I think um you pick up different <laughs> abilities. I don't even you remember how powers. I don't even remember how Hades works, but this is it has like a card collecting element where yeah, you get powers and then you each power has doesn't Hades do this where every power has like a secondary ability that you use to enhance? Mm, no. <laughs> like you can enhance your dash with like a certain ability and then you can enhance like your basic attack and your special attack, right? Um, you, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's not like combinatoric. It's just that you can get an ability where it's like your basic attack does this. And if you have another one, basic attack one, it's, you'll replace it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is like a little bit more deck buildy ish than that. I want to say because you can choose like, like each card or ability is a primary and secondary thing. Mm -hmm. So if there, there will be like a blast that poisons your enemies, but if you have it on the secondary tier, it will enhance the ability in the primary tier by making it poison enemies when you use it. Hmm. So Okay. There's, you know, little okay. combinations and stuff to try out, which is cool. Um, I feel like there are ideal ways to do stuff. So there's like some projectiles that go through enemies and some that don't. Right. And like that's that's useful if you have like if you have a move that will stun enemies because you can like stun a whole group of enemies with just one projectile. But if you want to poison them, you want something that has like a high rate of fire because that way you get more hits and then you can multiply the poison rate right. by more because you're throwing more shit at them. Um, so I th it feels like there are some like quote correct things, but part of the fun of the game is coming up with little card combos that let you do fun and things that seem OP. Um, I will say that is, it is like a good amount harder. I don't want, I, I won't say that it's harder than Hades, but it feels like you die more. I guess maybe because there's because <laughs> the dialogue stuff isn't such a big deal in this game. Like you're skipping every dialogue sequence. Um, it does make me wonder like if like less between if like as Hades is a I don't want to get to the roguelike debate, but like Hades as a thing um, was pretty sort of like it's very noticeable for or notable for how it interpreted this like roguelike like formula and that it. uh it, it like took a lot of what, you know, super giant was good at and then uh, applied this other formula to it and then added this sort of narrative element that was really compelling. And I think that what games take away from Hades will be interesting to watch. Um, 
And this seems like obviously the combat, the picking. I saw like a shop has got shops have three items that you pick and you're collecting gold when you kill stuff. Like it's, it's funny because Hades is both sort of on this, it's on this own trajectory of other stuff that's like popular. And then at the same time now, I wonder if it's sort of almost something like something dark souls, right. Is sort of set this stake in the ground that we're now going to see a lot of games that are like Hades instead of necessarily kind of moving along that path of like what's next after Hades, sort of like how like, like card battlers started because of slay the spire. And then for, a long time we like just got games that like looked like slay the spire um and we're starting to see like a little more innovation there but and slay the spire is still better than like a lot of those games yeah, yeah. which is funny that's the thing with hades too though is that like i still play hades every once in a while and i still find like new fun combos to try just with what it's got there and so it's hard for me to be like i'm gonna play a different game that's sort of like hades but not really because i don't I don't like care so much about any, any of the individual mechanics of Hades that would draw me to another game. It's like very much the whole package is what's interesting to me. Whereas I think like, um, <laughs> there was this game that came out, uh, like two weeks ago called like Storybook story book, brutal, brutal. Do you know about this? No storybook. Let me look it up real fast. It's not like um, sexy brutal, not sexy brutal storybook brew storybook brawl and it's sort of this like hearthstone magic game and like you look at it and it like looks like hearthstone and magic um and there's just like people who like will just play those types of games because of the core mechanics and i'm mm-hmm. wondering if like that sort of attraction is the same for like card obviously it's the same for card battlers and i think it might be i'm interested to see if it's the same for hades where just that specific little uh, trifecta of things that Hades did. People will play other games because they have those mechanics versus just like kind of playing Hades for the whole package. Right. So I don't know. Um, yeah. I've actually played another, I played a game uh, that was also a Hades like, have you heard about into the pit? No, not at all. Uh, so this is one um, Steam Fest is going on right now. I don't know if it's still happening. I mean, it might be over in like two days. Um, but it's basically like uh, sort of like retro FPS revival game meets Hades <laughs> where you're like playing a game like a New Bloods game or whatever where you're like running around, feels like Doom and Quake. Um, the levels I think are maybe slightly procedurally generated, but you're picking between rooms and rooms have powers that like give you passive abilities. And after you beat a room, you get to choose a power. Um, and this is, I think this, this is a game that like I'm sort of thinking about when you're talking about whatever the dandy game you just named was called, but like are the core mechanics of Hades themselves like so appealing that, um, people will play games just for that sort of core loop. Or is it like sort of a one and done with Hades? Um, yeah, you slot in like this is sort of the equivalent of the uh, like picking your weapon. I guess it's not picking your weapon. This is more like picking like mirror stuff. You get these passive runes that you can slot in. Um, and then once you're in, it's uh, like shooty shooty. Um, God, this is wild. And it's fine. It- I don't know. It's like, I think I defer back to what I just said, which is that like 
the core mechanics of Hades, I think are cool, but I only really want to play them in the context of Hades. I don't think they're so compelling to make me play a game. That's like, you know, it's like a retro FPS, but with Hades, um, right. I played the demo. It was fine. It looks but cool. like, yeah, it's got I the seen any shooting yet. Yeah. The intro Five takes a really in. long time. I skip ahead a little bit here. Josh is watching the video. You'll it looks see a little it devil daggers. Yes. It has a very devil daggers vibe actually. Like torchlight devil daggers. There you go. <laughs> so okay. it like looks and smells mm-hmm. and feels like a retro FPS. Um, yeah. Did you ever play heavy bullets? I did play heavy bullets. That's like what this is too. Yeah. Like game like from a talk about a standpoint. game that's got like a long tail of influence that like no one remembers. <laughs> I feel like every like arena based shooter owes some fealty to heavy bullets. Yeah. And I like mean, OG also, Ziggurat. Like FPS roguelike is still something that I feel like we haven't fully seen play out, but yeah, heavy bullets did a good job of that. Like a long time ago, I never really got recognition for it. I feel like I remember like the way that game was released was weird. Like it was like a Kickstarter promo for something or like it was, it like didn't go directly onto steam. You had to like get it as a direct download. Like it was, I remember being distributed sort of weirdly unless I'm, just like stupid and don't remember. So I think yeah, that, that sounds, it's an old ass game though, man. Like yeah. It's been forever since that shit came out. I don't remember what the circumstances, but surrounding its release were, but yeah, I mean, this gives me that kind of vibe and that it's very, it has, it necessarily has to be linear and closed off the way like a doom would, because it is roguelike. You can't just mm-hmm. make a whole fucking you know, world unto itself that you just walk around and shoot stuff in. Like that's just how this kind of thing is. Yeah. Um, but it, it exists kind of somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, this looks, this does look interesting. I'd, I'd be willing I mean, to the try art it style out. is really cool. That's sort of why I tried it. And I do, I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial, so I do like the sort of retro FPS situation. <laughs> um, but it's like, I don't know. It's not like enough to, I like got, I like sort of played a demo and I was like, that sure is a retro FPS with Hades mechanics. <laughs> and then I was like, I, yeah, neither of those things combined to be incredibly whatever. Um, more than that for me. So yeah, I played a lot of next fest games. I love that shit. Just like just download like seven demos and just sort of run through them. Yeah. I mean, and the ones that you were showing were, or at least, you know, sending us in the discord seemed pretty cool oh yeah like that cyberpunk thing oh it's like anno it's got some weird last name anno like mutinon or something? mutationem or something yeah. like that <laughs> yeah what else did you play josh um other stuff i played like a little bit of scarlet nexus but not enough to feel comfortable talking about mm. oh i finished death loop did we talk about that we talked about did we talk about Deathloop? We talked about Deathloop for like a couple minutes, but I had just started. We talked yeah. about the art style. Um, I think man, I just listened to game. a podcast about Deathloop, so I like feel like we talked about it because oh. I talked about it for like 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't um, want to talk about it too long because we have a lot of listener questions and I want to make sure that we have time to address those. But Deathloop, God, the ending of this game was so bad, dude. Do you have to uh, drug your wife? 
no wife drugging. This is a reference to 12 minutes, by the way. This is weird. This is, we do not mention this casual as casually as that game does, but, um, no, it's just like, there is similar weird twist stuff that feels super forced and just not cool just super thrown in and then it's it's got the fucking what is with the like cool edgy art style first person shooter that is like artistically inventive has a totally awful ending and some weird choice that you have to make at the end that is totally to make a choice at the end (laughs) yes you do they're like we need replayability so what if we just add a choice at the end and then we make them play the whole game again so they can <laughs> see the outcome dude and it's legit like you could just watch the other ending on youtube type thing too you know this was like i feel like my like my fealty as a gamer broke when i found out <laughs> that in bioshock the curve of like the atom you get from like killing the little sisters or saving them or whatever is basically the same I was like, fuck everything about this. I have my, my trust is broken. I'm no longer a gamer. My choices don't actually matter. I'm a cog in the machine. Yeah. Isn't it just such a funny realization that like all that time, the choices matter thing, no choice ever. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry to break this illusion. No choice you have ever made in a video game (laughs) fucking mattered. Spoiler alert. Except for turning the game off. I think if you turn the game off, that's like the most radical choice you can make in a video game. Yeah. But if it was like a dialogue option, yeah, sorry, dude. That shit don't mean shit. (laughs) Maybe in Disco Elysium, but I'm starting to hear that like, even that is a little bit more shallow. Like you still see the same story beats in a lot of cases, even though some of the writing will be different between, but it's like, I don't know if you get different writing and different like tone out of the game for making a different choice. I think that's worth something. I think it's like if your, if your whole thing is like your choices matter and they don't, that sucks. I think what's sort of the saving grace of Disco Elysium is like, I don't think it makes some claim about, um, like how dynamic and immersive and, you know, crazy sandbox the story is you're kind of just exploring the the dialogue, but something yeah. like, you know, Bioshock or like mass effect, it's like all your choices fundamentally change what you can do in the game. And that results in like, you get to pick a sniper rifle on the next level instead of an assault rifle. And that's like your, that's your choice mattering. Yeah, it's like you get your choices will determine whether this character dies or the other character dies. That yeah. and that's like the whole extent of it or whether, you know, everyone like it's just basically what fucking people die in the game is what your choices <laughs> do. And I mean, the reasoning makes sense, right? Like content is expensive to produce, so you like kind of have to hedge your bets. And then we get back to talking about time loop games where choices do actually matter, but they do it at the, like, it's a sliding scale, right? Like you, you have to cut your corners somewhere. You can't have infinite choice and infinite games. Like it just doesn't happen. Um, so you've got to like choose how to like box that in. So if you do a time loop game like outer wilds, you know, it's like, well, we can have choices matter because we're only working on a scale of like 13 minutes. 
if you're working on a scale of like 80 hours, you can't have an immersive, like giant branching narrative because your game gets exponentially more expensive and you, yeah. you know, there's not infinite money. So you have to sort of <laughs> cut it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sad to hear there's a stupid choice. I didn't want to really play death loop anyways. And now I'm like, I don't, whatever. Dude, it's just the and the ending is just so like I'm not a person to be like, oh, so anticlimactic or oh, the ending wasn't like they didn't perfectly resolve everything. I'm not that person who's like super annoyed when plot stuff isn't neatly tied up. But the ending of this is just it's like the ending of a SNL skit where they just don't know what to do. And they're just like, all right, well, there you beat the boss there. Thanks for playing. Here's the credits. And you're just like, what? Like, what is this? It doesn't, it's not. Oh God. Left a bad taste in my mouth. That The rest of the game is, the game's kind of bullshit. Besides like <laughs> the art and the characters who are cool. Um, the main two main characters, like their personalities are like kind of cool, a little too Joss Whedon esque for my taste, but they're pretty cool. Besides that, everything else is like, there's some frustrating shit in that game. That's just not fun, but it is what it is. Death loop. I don't know. Death loops. Well, <laughs> um, Let's do some listener questions. Let's do some listener questions. We got a lot we of questions. We got a lot of questions today. I'm excited about answering questions. Makes me feel important. Like what I say people care about. What are questions at? Oh man, there's whew, so many questions. Remember our 50th episode and we did 50 oh questions? That Listeners, like that so was the much. that was a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> around like question 35 we were like shit <laughs> 50 we questions like, how are we gonna do this a lot of questions i think my my butt was like sore from just sitting straight <laughs> on a chair for like three hours knowing this we would head into a new question and immediately just start going to tangents about like whatever okay and we're like we gotta get through these questions yeah let's get started will a 1v1 video game ever take off as an esport my first thought is like StarCraft is already successful as an esport, is it not? I, f I, in the spirit of the question, I will say, will it ever become a top esport? I'll, I'll, it was the esport. Okay, but that this was like when there was nothing else. It's before there was money. Counter Strike like there was no, existed. There was no team based esports at that time. Counter Strike Counter Strike sort of, still. Halo. Mm. I, th I think the spirit of the question, I mean, like I wanted to talk about this a little bit in the proper game section, but I think one thing that's been interesting in the past few years, actually, I think let me, uh, there's another question that is going to, uh, Oh yeah. The question right under it. What are trends you thought would take off, but never did. Um, this is sort of related to this. I was really surprised auto chess has not been bigger. Um, like at the start of like 2020, like 2019 ish, like auto chess was so hot that it definitely looked like it was going to be like 
the big thing next that was sort of going to like supplant MOBAs. And it like didn't. Um, I think there's like a lot of possibility. I th- I still think like the auto chess formula itself is really compelling um, and can be applied to some other stuff. But I was sort of surprised that like, at least as far as I know, stuff like team fight tactics and like Dota underlords and like auto chess proper are like not as big esports and like the vernacular of esports. We're still very much in the like MOBAs and first person shooters um, genre. Um, it is surprisingly big though. Like I never expected it to be the top thing. And I, uh, but I think it has settled into its niche as like, the fourth or fifth top thing, you know? But I guess, but the thing though, right. Is that like, there's one thing for like riot who has like giant reach to produce a game and people play it. Like, I think that's, that's a, you know, whatever, but you look at like other games in the genre. Like I don't think auto chess is successful just because team fight tactics is really popular. Cause like I was looking at the steam top played games today at like underlords underlords isn't even a top 50 played game. Like the most popular auto chess right now is, um, Legion TD two, uh, which is like sort of a tower defense game that came out like this week. So it's like very popular right now. Um, mm. even now I'm looking on Twitch and I don't see team fight tactics. It's at like the bottom. Well, so let's see. I don't know. One, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's not even in the top 50 right now. There are more people. Oh, wait, it's not sorted by views. Twitch. Okay, hold on, listener. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's still. So it's like barely in the top 50. It's number like 46 right now. Being beat by like fucking Overwatch. And really? Mario Party, someone's playing Mario Party 7 and there's 10,000 viewers right now. Yeah, like it's not a top game on Twitch right now. League of Legends is number three. CSGO is number four. Fortnite's number five. Apex is six. Like I, I just, I think there was like, I'm just surprised that is like not like huge. Like huge, huge. Like the, even, even I think just looking at sort of people who are making copies of it or something, it seems like, we got this sort of blast of them when it was big and then just sort of like kind of tapered off. I don't know. That's my answer. What do you think? That's, I mean, that's a good one, honestly. Um, I don't know. They use the example of the nemesis system from shadow of Mordor or whatever the first one was, but I almost, I almost wasn't expecting that to take off. Cause it was like such a, I don't They made it too much of a press beat. Like, they made it where if you're going to do it, you're going to copy it. Everyone was talking about how amazing the Nemesis thing was, and I didn't give a... I really did not care about that thing. I was going to the game, and I was like, oh, this Nemesis system is going to be so cool. But I played it, and I was like, it's just like a boss. I don't 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 understand what the deal with the Nemesis system thing was. It's that when you see someone, they're like, oh, you didn't kill me last time. Yeah, that's that, like, it that's was the like the, it was the equivalent <laughs> of in um, TF2 when you someone kills you a bunch. And it's like that revenge. Same thing. It's like oh, it that's just, basically the, the nemesis system was in TF2. That's a that's a good take. 
little marker <laughs> over their head that I just did not care about, like, at all. Man, looking at these Twitch things, it's kind of a trip seeing what people are watching. Yeah. Dead by Daylight uh, is one of those games. It's like, who? Who what, the fuck? Who plays Who's this? Who's playing that? That one and there's another one. Um, the, I went on a par- date. What's the zombie parkour one? Is that Dead by Daylight? N- no, that's um, Dying Light. Dying Light, yeah. Who? DBD is like weirdly popular. You went on a and date I've, and someone was like, you, someone you played was Dead playing, by <laughs> No, I went on a date and like went to this person's place and they were playing DBD. And I was like watching them play DBD and I was like, this how is this game who plays this i don't i didn't understand it but I, I, it's free to play i guess so i guess that makes it make more sense i think we I gotta suppose. we gotta like we really discount as like employed adults the pool of free to play i think we talked about this like last episode or the episode before that but like just the quality of what you can get for free in games now is outrageous what is oh. garena free fire what the hell is that? I don't fucking 51 know. 51K viewers? Uh, someone asked in Discord, what game would you want to be an NPC in? What would you do? Uh, I would want to be the barista in Animal Crossing. Or Blathers. Animal Crossing would be a great... That's a perfect game you don't to have be a an job? NPC in. You don't have a job. You get like cool furniture and people fucking love you. They get like cards of you and they buy merch dedicated to you, you know, and like they remember your name in what game do people remember the NPCs names like that? You know, what's next? Um, Someone asked me or I guess they're just tagging me because I asked the question. What aspects of Undertale slash Deltarune should other game devs try to imitate? I've never played. I played uh, Undertale for like five minutes and was like, eh, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> uh, I should. I haven't played play Deltarune. I played Undertale. Um, I think one thing that's sort of nice about Undertale, uh, which I also brought up in the Discord, so sorry for rehashing this. I think it has the appeal that um, it's got like, okay, Josh, Josh, listen to me we've talked about this a little bit before with like ghost in the shell. And you remember like the speech and ghost in the shell. Mm-hmm. So I think the speech is a, um, it's like a very potent thing that a lot of media has, uh, the speech being like someone in the piece of media, whether it be a game or film or something basically like, tells like one of the main characters of the plot, like how much sort of smarter they are than them and how they sort of been fooled or something. Uh, or like there's a bigger plot going on and there's something with like transcendent thinking and how they're like everywhere. Um, it happens in ghost in the shell. It happens when you talk to the reapers in mass effect. Um, and the same spirit of like the speech if it like hits you when you're like 16 years old, it is like the most fucking groundbreaking thing. And you'll remember it for like all of your life. And I think that undertale has like a very, very, very 
uh, I don't, I can't remember if there's like a version of like the speech in Undertale or it's sort of like the would you kindly thing in Bioshock. Um, I think Undertale is like a few sort of versions of something similar that people like hit. Uh, and I think if you're a game developer, if you just have one of these sort of scenes or like you have a plot that lends itself to that, that can be very potent for someone in the age group that, in that that's targeting. Um, also I think the art style of Undertale is very simple and allows for people to um, produce fan art really easily. Like I look at something like Among Us, I think is very similar. The art style is like super basic. So like literally anybody can draw an Among Us character. Um, and again, thinking about how we shouldn't discount free stuff, we should f- not forget to discount the power of like a 12 year old in a Sharpie on like their school notebook, drawing their favorite game characters. And like everybody can draw a fucking character from among us that like looks roughly correct. So have like a compelling, uh, coming of age speech, have very simple art. And that is your key to, uh, game success. An amogus. Amogus. Have an amogus. Someone asks, if you could please eliminate three games from history that would most stem the tide of new releases, which three would you pick? (laughs) This is the killing baby Hitler of video games. Yeah. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. 100%. That's on the Basically list. Basically anything Ubisoft. <laughs> like, I am sorry, but the award for most fucking throwaway games of the last decade, the most fodder bullshit game award goes to Ubi. And maybe I I'm like biased. It, did, it didn't have to be that way. You like look at Assassin's Creed 1 and you're like, it didn't have to go this way. It didn't have yeah. to happen like that. It absolutely did not. What else? Um, we got another question about this, actually. What could redeem the Far Cry formula? <laughs> Someone said in the Discord today that Far Cry could benefit from a 19-year hiatus like Zelda or like Metroid. <laughs> like Metroid? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just take some time off. Get some distance, you know, stop making the next, probably making the next three far car games right now as we speak. Yeah. It's like, it would take them like, I did not play far cry fucking ideas. Like no one played far cry one and was like more of this. (laughs) There's not like, I don't know why like this. It's just like the older you get, the more you realize what survives is like fucking bullshit. Like, there is nothing compelling about Far Cry 1. Maybe at the time, I don't know. I played it like 10 years ago or whatever. And I was like, why did this get a sequel? <laughs> why do we not have like eight sequels to Crisis? Like, why is Crisis the one that languishes? Well, Crisis was the good one for sure. I mean, Crisis I is also two bullshit. sequels. I know, but there are fucking seven Far Cry games. That yeah. is nearly four times because it's because Far Cry and, was yeah. Ubisoft's shooter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like their single player open world shooter, and it fit into the Far Cry formula. Like the, 
after number one, it totally changed. It's not like it even used elements of Far Cry 1 and Far Cry 2 and 3. Um, but oh, it was I just... To, I have one to cut. Oh, go ahead. It was their formula, you know? Yeah. And um, it's just do something different. Like, there, it's not even like a directive. You know, anything would make Far Cry better besides just doing the exact same fucking thing over and over and over. It is bonkers the extent to which they just recycle all of the same shit and that they did it. They did it Horizon Zero Dawn, which I was playing that, that game and I was like, I cannot understand how people enjoy this. <laughs> You're just running around picking up fucking sticks and like building slightly better material with a different color. It's so weirdly like transparently carried on a sticky that it's just not yeah. cool. And it, like the world wasn't compelling enough for me to really enjoy playing it. There was a lot of weirdness with the movement and frustration with the missions and shit. Ugh. They need to do something different. They need to actually like try something. You know, it's not that. I mean, it's hard. But it's kind of also what the job is, in my opinion. I think one to cut. You ready for this? Yeah. Super Mario. Which. That's a take. I'm not saying Mario's bad. I think Mario's fine. I think that like the, the long tail of like the platformer is insane. It is like fucking wild that there are so many platform games that are just doing like the same thing, which makes, which is two, two things are possible from this, right? Both are incredibly depressing. The first one is that like all people actually, sorry, there's only one outcome of this. That's not killing all the platform games. It's that like, did we really just get games right then? And that's it. Like we did it. <laughs> in like 1980 or whatever that was like that's it that's that's the that's the pinnacle of video games because we seem to not be able to stop remediating like that exact same experience over and over and over and over again um and it just doesn't stop there's just like always new platformer games that are like It'd be like, I understand like you make a platformer as your first game to like, you know, do it to like, it's, it's a simple system to make, but like the fact that there are these games that are released and like have budgets, they're doing platformers. Like what the fuck? Why are there so many platformer games? So. Yeah. I mean, I can get on board with that to an extent. I think the platformer we're trying to stem the tide of releases. Yeah. I feel like the, the baby Hitler of video but games it's like, is like was Super it so, Mario. But our platform's so bad. No. But if we're trying to cut down the amount of releases. Okay. All right. Okay. It's not, you're seeing it as like not a qualitative thing. I'm seeing it as like, what could we most afford to lose? <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to like. <laughs> trying to what would cut what would influence the most if we pulled out this card from the bottom of the house what of cards what could we lose um yeah i guess yeah that's a good one that's a good one 
Ubisoft games is mine. Uh, what else we got? Um, someone asked, is Metroidvania the worst genre moniker in gaming? Uh, yes. I think it's fine though. I used to get really pissed off about Metroidvania, but now I feel like I don't even, it's just like, it's how words happen. We got souls like, Oh God, they're all bad. They're all bad. Um, what's the Hades like? There is no denying that that Metroidvania (laughs) is bad, like a bad thing to call a video game, but they're useful. I think it's bad. If you like, if like you don't talk to other people who also have specialty fields, like if you like other people have ridiculous names for other stuff in their fields and they don't have a fucking conniption about it. When like someone brings it up, they're just like, yeah, it's fucking weird that it's called like shoegaze. Yeah. Shoegaze, like, dude. Who cares? Like no one who's doing shoe. I mean, maybe they're, they're mad about it, but it's like, I they feel are like this having is just- a conniption when it's like, <laughs> bro, shoegaze isn't even like the fucking, it's, that was just made as like a derogatory term for people who would play the music back in the day. Whatever. If you want to like know about the game industry and like genres, then like you have to learn a little bit. And like Metroidvania is the word that it is. Oh well. Yeah. We also have fucking D-pad. That's also stupid. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes sense, but like movie D-pad. We have a we have a distinction between shoulder buttons and trigger buttons, both of which are on the shoulder of a controller. How do you, you define about the how like crazy it is that we still call movies movies? Yes, that gets me frequently. You're like, <laughs> it's like they're pictures that move. Because they the fucking move, dude. That's why we call them movies. It's like, what? Like when I first learned that that's where that word came from, I was just like, that. It's like calling. It's like if you hear someone calling someone a blockhead. It's got that vibe, that that energy, <laughs> <laughs> real blockhead energy to it. Um, yeah, let's. Are there any games which were over slash underappreciated by the critics that you have a lot of respect for? I think we the whole podcast is often predicated on uh, games that are overappreciated by critics. Josh, are there any underappreciated critic games that aren't League of Legends that you have a lot of respect for? League of Legends is <laughs> still you can't just you can't just gloss over that one. <laughs> That's like the big one, dude. It, it League of Legends is still so popular. We have reached a really depressing point, Kyle. Which is which is I used to watch this streamer, I'm a cutie pie, right? Oh yeah. He was a League of Legends streamer, a pro player, and yeah. just like really funny. He had a lot of followers and really bad facial hair, really just terrible look, but that's kind of what made him what he is. Um, it's part of his charm. And he like fell off League like a year ago, I want to say. Uh huh. He just stopped playing. And then like now he's like come, he's coming back and playing a little bit more League again. And it's like, we're at the point where you have like washed up former stars <laughs> of League of Legends, and it's like 
fucking depressed. It's like the surreal life when fucking Corey Haim is back, is like on TV and trying to make more money or Flavor Flav is like the the royalties well has dried up for the most Give part me $5 and they're not making on as cameo. Much. I'm a cutie pie. We'll do your voicemail. Oh, it's so sad, man. I see these videos and he just looks. The life is drained from his eyes. He's he's had a divorce at this point. Oh my god! Yeah, Damn, he's really like. Guess I'll play league some more. And I don't think he's doing it for the money. To be fair, but it has that like vibe of it's just not the same. You know, yeah. we have all aged, and it feel we're all there because we're trying to like relive the magic of his heyday. But it's yeah. fucking gone, man. It's it's gone. <laughs> Ratings are down. Like it is so. I'm looking at like I'm looking at this right now, and the top three streamers are. Wow. Okay, Riot Games has the top stream because of esports. Then it's Tyler one, and then the third. Well, actually, no. This only has 120. Sort by viewers high to low. Okay. Some Brazilian people. There's always like some Brazilian folks, Korean guy. Wow. Most of them are like overseas streamers, not even in the US. Wow. It's just wild. This game's still globally popular, but it's, there's some droppage for sure. But I I think like, you know, a lot of that is Valorant somewhat cannibalizing its own brother. But you think League so? of Legends still has like double the amount of viewers as Valorant, which is interesting. Huh. What a weird... We're in a weird time right now. We're in a real weird time. I've appreciated... Um, I watched uh, I watched like a lot of Day 9 when StarCraft 2 came out. And it's been sort of cool to watch his arc. Because he could, he could like totally be in washed up territory. But I think he's been really good. He was like sort of one of the OG streamers of starcraft 2 um and was like obviously like a very big deal in like the pro circuit he was like i think at his prime he was the best uh random pick uh starcraft 2 player which means that he hmm. would start a match and pick random instead of picking a faction most pros pick factions to play and he would pick random so he could basically he's very good at starcraft 2 um but then sort of like cut a path for himself where he became like an announcer and then like kind of fell off that a little bit and then has really transitioned well into like magic. And so he mostly streams magic now. Um, and like, it's sort of cool to watch, I don't know, grow with him in that way. And he's not just trying to like relive the Starcraft two memories. Um, so yeah, a yeah, lot it's of crazy to watch like streamers of the arcs done that to be fair, but yeah, just him specifically has got that very dour, I mean, the like, guy has nutty amounts of money. Yeah. In his peak, he was making $2 million a year, pre, like not even counting sponsorships. Damn. Okay. So he'll be fine, but um, it is good. just weird that we've reached that point where we're like, come, like League of Legends is 12 years old, man. Like, this thing has been yeah. through more than a decade. Madness. Um. I'm trying to think of a festival. I have an answer to this. Disco Elysium. <laughs> I, talk, I think we talked about the article again recently, but there was some article on PC Gamer or something that was like two years on Disco Elysium is still the best game I've played in the past two years. 
Yeah. It's just don't know when it's, it's great. Beginner's um, guide. Beginner's guide. I don't Promessa. think beginner's guide was Promessa, dude. Promessa slept on so hard. Super slept on. Build up a real treasure games, with man. that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Zach asks, how can I make $300,000 on Twitch? Be hot. That's the first hot. step. I don't know be all the steps, but good. the first one is be hot. Be hot. Be good at your game you're playing. Um, or I think play a lot of different stuff and stream all the fucking time. Yep. Also, like, don't be too smart. Don't be too smart. Yeah. You gotta be a little amateur. Don't upgrade all your equipment. Just like get a better camera. Yeah. Um, here's a good question from para asks, you guys talk a lot about, Oh, sorry. You guys talk about a lot of different games in the show. How many of the games do you actually complete? Like 1% of them. Um, I think for me, especially it's very rare that I finish a game because I, I don't know, I'm an asshole and I've played a ton of fucking games and you like after a while, they like feel very similar. So it's hard to, unless there's like a very compelling reason to like actually play through it. The act of playing it itself is not intrinsically rewarding to me at this point. I think stuff, stuff I have beat recently though. I did beat origami King. I beat Hades. Uh, I've beat dark souls one and two. I'll beat bloodborne soon. Um, I beat Mario Odyssey. Uh, I don't know. Josh, what about you? I beat most of the games, like, especially if I like the gameplay loop, I'll beat it. Um, so I beat, I maybe not even like if, if I enjoy it enough, the experience of playing the game and it keeps me coming back. I'll beat it. So I think you beat a lot of games. Yeah. I be, I beat a good I amount think, of games. It's about yeah. 70%, maybe more. Well, maybe yeah. not because there's some games that I really like just my intent is never to like dip more than my toe in or, you know, yeah. never to do more than that. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at some of my steam and it's like most of these, there's a lot of, multiplayer stuff um but i've beaten a lot of these and the ones that i haven't beaten are like just games that i just didn't really like that much horizon zero dawn like i spent like this full fucking 60 dollars on it because i was like i need to see what the high is all about and um just so just disappointed by that game <laughs> that game is overrated that game is super overrated like katie was really right when she gave that shit like a 2.5 that game sucks That whole just like mishmash like art style too is starting to make its way into other stuff. There was like some other game. I don't remember what, but this just like, I don't know. I, I think like speculating about game companies is always like fraught because we don't, we don't actually know. But Josh, you always talk about like stuff that's been focused, focus tested to hell. And I feel like there's something with like the aesthetic of that game where it has like a very similar issue where it's like, why pick an art style? We could pick every art style. Horizon? Just do all of them. Yeah. And you it's just this like explosion of like everything. I, I think I described on the discord as like 
you're looking at like an art station portfolio project or something, but of like 80 different people and it all just kind of blends together. And it's just like, there's not like a strong identity to it. It's like the white girl with dreads. And it's no, like basically, you know what that, you know what that game really reminds me of is the nineties, like mm. hardcore nineties vibes from that game. And I'm talking like, like a Chris yes. Columbus directed fantasy movie or something. No, like sort of, but also like, I think a lot of the dinosaur craze of the time. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah, like yeah. weird, you know, weird video games of the time, like Turok ish type shit. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, then yeah. like the weird white people trying to do culture thing all right. combined into one of like, what's the band, uh, Rusted something root. Is it rusted root? I don't know. I never heard of them. <laughs> they do that. Oh, no way. Yeah. Rusted root, dude. <laughs> world beat rock band. It's really yeah, world rusted music. Root yeah. Core. Horizon zero dawn is the world music of, of the video game industry. No, except that it doesn't, it's not like global. It's just like white people will like, Oh, fucking tribes. And oh, post-apocalypse, <laughs> the white girl with dreads. It just, it reminds me of just those shows that have like animatronic creatures and like weird. It's like Chuck E. Cheese core. Five Nights at Freddy's doll type yeah. shit where it's like, ugh. There was a show on PBS called The Puzzle Place that had that sort of vibe to it. <laughs> I used to watch a lot. Out of the box, Fraggle Children's. Out of the box, yeah. yeah Fraggle <laughs> or like Rock. Gullah Gullah Island. Yeah, just like weird sort of. Yeah. yeah, out of the box at least like had an actual black person on the show, and like Gullah yeah. Gullah Island too. But it's like, yeah, it was like if that show was just like all being done by white people, and like they were the only ones who had a say in it, and it also had dinosaurs and technology and shit, and like um weird theme parks mm -hmm. that game mm -hmm. has that vibe to me too what were we talking about god that game sucks sorry <laughs> uh i'm sure think other good questions um wes asks where do you want the next truck simulator dlc to be set <laughs> i think it'd be fun to see a truck simulator in like uh um like some like some part of it you go to like the desert and it's like Mad Max and you have to like do just normal truck simulator stuff in like a post apocalyptic wasteland. I think that'd be sort of funny. There's no roads. <laughs> that'd be fun. That's kinda like SnowRunner. Yeah. But SnowRunner's not but, fantasy, right? No. Yeah, but SnowRunner, but you're delivering stuff to the castle and frozen. Um, last question. How much higher are triple A games going to turn the racism dial all the way up, baby? They're just going to keep going and they're going to keep going and keep saying their games aren't political the whole time. That's like fucking fodder that the fucking dude at the Capitol riot had like a dishonored tattoo. Like that. The audience is those people and like, the games industry is too fucking bullheaded to be like, we shouldn't be racist because people still buy our games. I also think there's just like 
a ton of willful ignorance in yeah. the like decision making tier of game studios. It's like, why are our fans toxic? And it's like, because you make games that celebrate racism and your player base is full of assholes who think that you're on their side. Did you see the new world thing? How, how like apparently like the game, like oh, it was like supposed someone, to be native Americans or something. Yeah. Like you're supposed to be just killing like actual God. native Americans. And they were like, Oh, this could be construed as racist. Why are our fans so mean and racist? It's like, <laughs> fucking look at what you're feeding them. We don't see color, bro. Like, this is just the reality of history. Was you collecting so gear and leveling up your character to kill brown people? They're going to go all the way. Just to keep, they're going to keep doing the racism until it like totally bites them in the ass. I mean, as long as they have people in charge who are just like absolute, just dickwads. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. If there's one thing I saw this, like, um, this funny tweet that was like, Oh, diversity. Like what they say, we have a diverse workplace and it's like the workplace and it's just a bunch of emojis of like, the hierarchy um, pyramid with just like white guy at the top, white guys on tier two, white guys, tier three. <laughs> and then like tier four has like white women and then like a couple brown guys. And then like tier five and six is like where the diversity actually kicks in, which is just so fucking true, dude. Every workplace I've ever worked, it's like, um, the My diversity process. is, it only goes up so far, you know? Uh, but that's, yeah, it's kind of just the way it is. And, um, so you can kind of expect the big decisions to be made by not actually diverse people, regardless of how many diverse people you have working on the lower rungs. So yeah, I, that's why this stuff exists and that's why it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, unless it's by like, I mean, I'm talking obviously about larger studios here. Obviously there are smaller ones that are doing stuff right, but we're talking about AAA. So I don't think any of these things are going to change soon. Nope. There was one more. All right. There's one more question. If you only pick two games to play for the rest of your life, what would, what would they be? Oh, fuck. Oh, that's a good question. Devil daggers. Oh my God. Okay. And like Morrowind. <laughs> some final fantasy 14. Oh, good one. Is it still getting updates for the rest of your life or do you have to play it? And it's ideally, <laughs> I fucking hope <laughs> no updates. Um, and League of Legends. That's good. Easy answer. I maybe I maybe swap Magic for Devil Daggers if it's getting updates. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's funny. I feel like this is like 
Is this, this is a ridiculous question in some ways, but I'm also like, I don't know if we start doing space travel, like bandwidth is probably not great. And you probably have to limit your bandwidth. Cause like, I don't know, you're on like a fucking spaceship and you got to beam important business calls back to earth. You can't like download a final fantasy 14 patch. <laughs> They're like, sorry, can you not talk to mission control? I need a, I have a 28 gig download, uh, for my new mount, uh, pause everything. That is not the direction I was expecting you to go with this. <laughs> I feel, but I'm just like considering a situation where that would actually be the case. Mm. And it's assuming society like doesn't collapse and you're never going to actually take like a game console to a deserted Island. But I was like, I could see it. If you're on like a generation ship, you've got to like, <laughs> you, you kind of got to pick what you want and like get your games downloaded to your home what if you drive. had land final fantasy 14 but you're still not getting content though this is yeah. the thing you gotta get those new patches damn it you got yeah. me you got me there gotcha couch co-op dude video ball <laughs> video ball samurai right, wrap it gun. up yeah Ooh, that's a good one we're Bad End Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to our show and or for tuning in. Sorry about that little uh, hiccup we had there. Hopefully the first half of the episode sounds good. If not, <laughs> uh, we tried our me. best. We tried our best and we'll, we'll, we'll strive to do better in the future. Maybe I'll just like record it in another intro and be like, we lost the first half of this episode because uh, Kyle did, forgot to record. Uh, but uh, We talked about board games though. I want to get some of that yeah. stuff. Yeah juicy board game content anyway uh you can find us on the internet bad end podcast um on twitter bad end pod at gmail.com if you want to email us patreon.com slash bad end to support us support our friends at superculture network the network that we're a part of which includes Funland, bullet points superculture review uh heterotopias etc etc um and like us and review us and subscribe and do all that stuff uh you can also watch this episode on youtube so uh search bad end podcast on youtube and you can watch us moving and you can like see the actual clips that we're talking about of these video games um there will be some of the more hiccupy moments in there because i can't really edit that video before it goes live because i'm too lazy um but still it's i think it's fun to watch on youtube and some people would prefer to watch it that way like kind of have it playing on another monitor um, and I think like watching the gameplay and seeing what we're talking about adds something to the show. So you can watch us there, but, um, yeah, thank you again for listening and we'll see you in a couple weeks later. Bye.